So we had that uh, eclipse yesterday, huh? That was pretty cool. So I thought I'd say something along those lines. Using an image from the teachings. So there's a um, description of the mind that goes like this. Luminous is the mind, and it is defiled by visiting defilements. Luminous is the mind, and it is freed from visiting defilements. So I'll unpack the language a little bit. I'm sorry about those uh, words. The word defilement is really just meant to represent the constellation of mind states around greed, hatred, and delusion. So it's stuff we wouldn't want to have in our mind anyway. I would include in that kind of temporary experiences like anger or sadness, and also uh, longer-term experiences like biases or stories that we're carrying about how things are, including stories about ourselves. And maybe this word, you know, it's defiled by visiting defilements. Maybe instead of defiled, we could say dimmed or occasionally eclipsed, right? Is that the idea is that the mind is something luminous and, but these things come and cover it over in some way. And so there's something hopeful about this message. It says that these things are only visitors. Another translation um, says that these are incoming, incoming defilements. And so this suggests that it's possible for the mind to be free of these things. It's not inherently problematic, it just has temporary problems. So there are kind of two useful perspectives here. One, which is what I've, the path I've started down, is to see this from the, basically from the perspective of the Earth. You know, is that there's the sun, and it sometimes gets eclipsed by various things, or we have our mind, and it sometimes uh, has other things that are blocking its luminosity. And so then, with that idea, we would, um, we would practice, and we would find ways to clear the clouds, or to let go of the um, difficult mind states that are, that are affecting us in some way, so we can, and there's so many techniques and practices around this, but the general movement is to move away from suffering. Right? That's the most basic thing we're asked, is, is what we're doing, or the way we're seeing things leading toward or away from suffering. That's the most basic discernment. And we can get a little... Um, we may think, oh, that's obvious, you know, how I will surely know if I'm moving away from suffering. Um, but when I started thinking about it, I thought, well, sometimes that's obvious, but um, not always, or not completely. If it were totally obvious, I, I would have already moved completely away from suffering and be done with it. 
but it's not as obvious sometimes as I think. So I, I started thinking about that a little more. One assumption we carry about this phrase, let's move away from suffering, is that that means that's identical with getting rid of unpleasant experience. You know, that's the assumption that we sometimes carry is, oh, I'm suffering, there's some pain here, physical or emotional, and so I will stop suffering when that goes away. It's natural, and truthfully, a lot of moving away from suffering is relieving pain in some way. Uh, that's, that's a big part of the task, but it's not all of the task, because what about, um, what about pain that's due to an illness, and it's not going away? Or the situation that comes about through aging. You know, so there are things where getting rid of the unpleasant is not feasible. And so then what does it mean to move away from suffering? I experienced chronic pain for a number of years and I generated a lot of suffering for myself thinking that I couldn't be happy until it went away. It was quite a revelation, actually, to discover that suffering could end without the pain ending. That's important. And then there's the flip side. Um, what about things where there's going to be some temporary pain while we're moving away from suffering? So things that are helpful to do but bring about some temporary pain. Like, for example, if I've made a mistake, um, it may be helpful for me to really open to the remorse around uh, hurting somebody else or uh, just being unmindful and not noticing what I was doing. And then I have the um, courage if, to go and make an apology if that's needed. It's not always. Um, and otherwise to rectify my behavior. So this process of, of feeling the suffering that I've caused, and then finding some way to move through that, not especially pleasant in the moment, but surely leads to less suffering, surely leads away from suffering. So there's a little bit of nuance about this movement away from suffering that we're enjoined to do in our practice. It requires some discernment, as it's not quite the same as eliminating the unpleasant. More generally, moving away from suffering is more immediate than that, you know, than a goal of sometime in the future there's going to be no suffering. How about right now? When but now could we let go of suffering? So there's a sense that um, we need to release, relax right in this moment so we can check. Are we holding tension in the body? That's a lot of what contributes to suffering? Do we have our mind and body kind of aligned, or are we scattered in a lot of different directions? Are we carrying a lot of stories about the past and the future? Are we really just with the present? So some of these are some qualities that start coming in when we consider what it really means to move away from suffering. Relax, simplify the story, let go of so much concern about past and future. 
Let not a person revive the past or on the future build her hopes. For the past has been left behind and the future has not been reached. Instead, with insight, let her see each presently arisen state. Let her know that and be sure of it. said there were two perspectives <laughs> and so I've described the perspective from the earth where there's this luminosity that's getting obscured sometimes but what about the perspective from the sun awareness itself can be very useful It's a great way to let go of suffering in the present moment is to shift from the objects to the awareness. Even if what we're aware of is painful, um, the awareness itself is not. And I say this because sometimes when we're engaged in the more effortful practice of letting go of things, seeing them, discerning this is unwholesome, oh, I don't need this in my mind, That whole activity can sometimes involve uh, suppression, suppression of what's unwholesome that's going on. Oh, there's anger in my mind. That's bad. A spiritual person shouldn't have that. Apply metta. (laughs) And and this is, I I think metta is a great practice. I encourage it. Um, I do it. And uh, we have to be careful not to slip into suppressing the anger or disapproving of it in some way. We don't want to express it, but um, when mindfulness isn't so strong, then yes, it's good to work with things and apply remedies. But I think as awareness gets stronger, more and more we realize it's extra to apply that kind of judgment to what's going on in our mind. If we can just see it without having to, without being compelled by it, that is purification enough. The judgment becomes extra. So when mindfulness is well-developed, we can move toward a mode of practice where all states of mind are received just as they are in awareness. They're purified by the action of strong attention. Master Hong Zi. The field of boundless emptiness is what exists from the very beginning. The deep source, transparent down to the bottom, can radiantly shine and can respond unencumbered to each speck of dust without becoming its partner. So each speck of dust is all the stuff that flows through our mind, and we don't have to become its partner and get in there and say, this is good, this is bad, more of this, less of that. Just shine on the specks of dust. To the sun, there was no eclipse yesterday. The sun did not know that two little specks, the earth and the moon, far, far away from it, were somehow passing in front of each other. It didn't know. It just kept shining away, impartially, on everything that it fell upon, according to the laws of physics.
So the point of all this is, is not to decide that you're the sun or to decide the sun is better than the earth. It's more of that judgment. The point is peace and to be with things as they are. So we do have transcendent experiences. We have sun-like experiences where things are arising and passing in awareness. And we have the experience of the earth where there's the blocked sun and we're looking up. Where is that sun? It's been foggy every morning for the last week except for today. So, you know, the earth comes, the sun comes. To be at peace with all of that. My experience is that different kinds of mind states just cycle through. It's not really my job to decide how my mind should be. This poem is called Peace. And there, on the to-do list, somewhere beneath post office and above pay the bills, is a single word not yet crossed out. Peace. You've written it in ink as if to offer it permanence, an urgency that can't be erased. Every day you look at it, wondering if this is the day that goodwill will come as easily as changing the burned out light bulbs or taking the garbage out. You almost stop believing you will ever cross it off. After a while, it might seem just like any other thing you write on your list and then ignore, like dust beneath the piano or organize the garage. But then the news will shake you, will render your duties small, and you'll write it in at the top of the list in all caps, underlined in blue. And though you still don't know what to do, you know that it comes first, and that tomorrow, no matter how long the list, you'll write it at the top again. Anybody have any comments or questions before we head off into the day? Yeah. Beautiful talk, thank you. Oh. Yes. I enjoyed this poem, and I enjoyed even more the one that you read about why I no longer keep a gun in the house. Uh -huh. I may have said that to you before, but I went out and bought three copies of the book the first poem, and um, to live and work gifts, and the third was a gift to myself. And um, I had intended perhaps to give it to someone else, and I started reading, and I enjoyed it so much, and I wanted to thank you for the gift of reading the poems that you did. Thank you. This is how the Dharma works. When we receive it, we share it. Did you say who that one was by? Rosemary Traumer. Traumer. Traumer.